evidence and answers. When trial after trial seems to follow you, and it seems like there's no way out, where do you turn? Comfort and peace? Well, they seem so far from you. Sometimes you feel like you're at the bottom of a pit and completely helpless. But God. Those two words, but God. They can and will make all the difference. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will be speaking with Randy, Jill, and Ian Rogers about this very topic and will share their testimony of how God brought them through a series of tremendous trials. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's our host, Pat Zucran, with part one. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to today's challenges. Well, here on Evidence and Answers, we address the issues of God, evil, and suffering. And we show that the Christian worldview provides the best and most reasonable answer to this problem of God, evil, and suffering. But today, we want to present practical counsel on how to handle those dark moments in our life. How do we handle the difficult moments in our life when our world seems to go dark? What do we do when we face moments of pain and suffering, wondering where is God and how will we ever get out of this dark tunnel? Well, today we have a family who's been through some very difficult moments, and we'll learn today how their faith in Christ made a difference in a real and practical way. So I want to introduce you to my friends, Randy and Jill Rogers, here to share their stories. So Randy and Jill and their son, Ian, how are you folks doing today? Great. Thank you for having us, Pat. This is kind of an unexpected adventure. Yes. Well, you know, Jill, I've been able to follow your family story as a family friend, and I found it very compelling. And I know that you and Randy have some great insight in the things that God has brought you through to share with the body of Christ today. And for those listening who may be going through those dark moments in life. So, Jill, briefly, tell us about your family. Okay. So there's Randy and I. And then we have three children. Ian is our oldest. He's 14. Micah is 13. And then Kaya, our youngest, is seven. Not too long ago, Jill, one of your kids, Ian, faced a life-threatening situation. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it was terrible. (laughs) So we were in Northern California, far from home, um, doing a, a family camp. So Ian was at his own inner high camp and he was struggling to breathe, but he just wanted to finish out camp because it's just such a great experience up at Mount Hermon. He finished the camp even though he couldn't breathe at night. And then um, we got to my cousin's house and that night he was having more trouble. He was laying on the couch and he was coughing and coughing and then my cousin said, Jilly, what's wrong with him? And I said, I don't know. And I, I hadn't known that he was having such a hard time. I put my head on his chest, his upper chest, and I could hear rattling. And I knew instantly we needed to go to the ER. So we went to a local small ER and uh, they checked him. And I thought maybe he has pneumonia. <laughs> so I was hoping for pneumonia, but they did a couple tests. And uh, they actually gave us the news that our son was in heart failure and they needed to send us to a larger hospital who could stabilize him and try and save his life. This is Randy, by the way, Jill's husband. And uh, I was there too that night at the hospital and 
I just wanted to throw in that Ian had been watched by a cardiologist for the last two years before this event. And I remember thinking back when we started that whole heart uh, watching, monitoring journey that I didn't know what that meant for Ian or mm-hmm. where that was going to head. Mm-hmm. And I remember that night thinking in the hospital, I wonder if this is the beginning of the end for Ian, if this is what it looks like for him uh, to uh, to go through this really difficult thing with his heart. And I didn't know where that was leading. Right. I should say, too, that our boys um, 10 years ago were diagnosed with a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. They're the only two with their genotype. So they're only two with their diagnosis. So they have no prognosis for us other than that this is a degenerative disease without a cure. So they know the boys are just going to grow weaker, but they have no studies on them. So they said it could affect their brain, their eyes, their heart, their lungs, um, but they don't know when all those things were going to happen. So for the past 10 years, it's just been this anticipation, but not knowing when we were going to go through hard times. So in July, on July 3rd is when the bomb dropped that our son was in heart failure. Yeah. So to continue with our story, I was actually inside of my emergency room there at Marin General, and the doctor came in and said, it's either pneumonia or heart failure. We're going to run some more tests this lab test is pending and once you get it back we'll know for sure and he got it back and he said your son is in is in heart failure that's how it looks right now <laughs> and my mom went out and one of our friends who was in the lobby he was in the lobby and, and he was not as close to god as we are and we told him that he had heart failure and he he was very distraught he was he was really upset and he he couldn't understand why yeah that was uncle dave and he kept saying why, why you, such good people, why you? And so, yeah, that just, that was, that question kept ringing in our head. Yeah, you know, that's a question a lot of us ask when we go through those difficult times, you know, why God, why me? Tell us a little bit, Randy and Jill, you know, what thoughts were going through your mind when you saw Ian in this condition and the things that you knew that you were going to face in the days to come? For me, because people would ask me that question, good friends would come and they would often ask why or, or they'd ask me, are you wondering why you? And for me, I tend to, I just really never went down that road of why me? And there's two reasons. One, I'm, I think I'm a little more practical and I think how, how are we going to do this? How is this, how is this going to work in our family? How will we endure it? And then the other thing is, is I know um, this, I don't know if this uh, fits into what we're talking about here, but a lot of times, well, every week, actually, we, we fill out prayer request cards at our church. And every week, people are writing their needs for God to work in their life. They're asking for help from God. And I read those and I hear some of the really amazingly difficult things that people are enduring, whether they be broke marriages, whether they be sickness in their family, the loss of loved ones, just heartache over all kinds of things. And so I think knowing that the whole world Mm -hmm. is experiencing some kind of test or trial or hardship or heartache, I think that's always in my mind. So I never thought, well, why me? Because I think it's because I live here on this planet. Jill, you know, as a mom, seeing your son go through this, what thoughts were beginning to race through your mind? 
Can I say a swear word on radio? <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, when we got to um, the Benioff Children's Hospital, that was um, the one in San Francisco that could handle our case. As I saw the doctors and nurses uh, looking at us through the window, and they just had such a grave, grave look on their face. It just made me so afraid. So Ian's hospital bed faced their window, and then there was a chair behind his bed. And so I was just frantically hiding and texting my family and just letting them know Ian's in heart failure. It doesn't look good. And uh, this is really severe. He's His heart is so enlarged. It's not working. And I... Um, it's, you know, when you go into panic and your whole body gets hot, you're, you can't breathe anymore. It was like that. I was so, I was just afraid. Like, this is the beginning. And I was just hiding my tears, trying to stay strong for Ian, but I couldn't hold it back anymore. So I, that was when I started crying more because I was just so afraid of the journey that we were going to go on. It was like the, the roller coaster ride that I knew we were on and and up until then for 10 years it was just this feeling and then now it's like it we were it was the bomb and the roller coaster was going down and on this ride it's i have no control you know it's just gonna go where god's gonna lead us and unlike randy i think i'm just a little more emotional and my thoughts went everywhere all the time at unexpected moments i didn't always say why me but i did a lot of comparing like why them like why do they have such great lives and and why did you give us this journey and lord doesn't always give me any answers to that but i knew that um he promised to be near the brokenhearted and i was um, brokenhearted often so um, I knew that he promised to be near me. It just made me keep on looking for him wherever I was, even in the darkest times. Mm. One of the things that made my mom so brokenhearted was we were so far from all of our friends. We were in we were in Northern California in San Francisco in the children's hospital up there by the bay, and we had no, we had hardly any friends up there. And usually, or so we thought. Usually, when we <laughs> would go into the hospital. We would have lots of support from our friends, our the Christian body that were our friends. But this time, my mom was so afraid. We were so afraid that we would have no friends. But we prayed and asked, asked God for help, and he sent people mm-hmm. that we knew. We had little at best, but more than we thought came. People who we thought would never, we hardly knew, they came and said, you know, I just felt so moved by God just to come here and and see you guys. And we were like, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming here. And they they would bring us food and meals. <laughs> right. they, were, they were so comforting to us. Even though we thought we were so far from everyone, they were right there. Right. And I want to, I just, we have uh, made this 45-year investment in the GEMS, Japanese Evangelical Missionary Society family camp. And so we had just finished that camp. And I'm just so thankful for that 45-year investment in the body of Christ and relationships there because we had made friendships, lifelong friendships with people all over all over California, all over the world. So we ended up with people praying for us, tons of support in Northern Cal. And uh, I remember there was a story, Ran, you want to tell your story about needing to go get food? (laughs) Oh, that's the, we tell this story a lot because it's an example of my 
extreme faith. <laughs> Actually not. So what we were, it was the first or second night up there in the hospital and we were kind of settling ourselves into the children's hospital uh, down in the mission district there in San Francisco and thinking, of course, that uh, being far from home, we were kind of on our own. So there's a point in the evening where after getting ourselves in our room, I said, well, honey, it's time for me to go out into the city and find us some food. And Jill just put her <laughs> hand on my shoulder and she said, the food will come. Yeah. And it did. We stayed right there and meal after meal and friend after friend took care of us. And yeah, I do have a couple families up in Northern Cal. My auntie and uncle are up there and my cousins, their family were up there. And so I knew they were going to come and provide for us and so many People came and then people drove back up from Southern Cal to come and visit Ian. The The camp speaker had come up, his cabin leaders came up and they just brought light into a really dark, dark time. You know, Jill and Randy, you stated that this is a journey that you did not want. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a path you wanted to go down. Did you ever question God, his faithfulness or his goodness in your life? Or how'd you deal with the disappointment of knowing, you know what, the dreams we had for our boys or our family, it's going to take a totally different path now, not one that we wanted. How'd you deal with that? And for many of us who face those issues, who maybe have lost a loved one or someone they loved has walked out on their life in, in a divorce or, or some kind of situation like that. How did you deal with that whole realization? This is a journey we don't want. But this is where God has taken us. Well, I think Ian wants to answer that. Go ahead, Ian. Well, before my, before my parents answer, when I was born with muscular dystrophy, I was, I was sort of upset because I never wanted to be as as slower than the rest of people of the people. I only, I thought, is it so much to ask just to be a little bit better? Is it so much to ask just to be the same as everybody else, mm -hmm. or at least? just not worse than everybody else. I always thought, why can't I just be the same and something else happen? Why can't I choose something different than this? And and I would read the Bible and, and pray, and eventually I learned that if I just wait for God, just wait for Him to come to me with the answer, the answer will make sense. And I eventually learned that this path I was down would lead to heart failure, and I would be able to be here and and talking to you about how Jesus is so great and how he's right there in the room all the time and he he's not going to leave you. I know that that this path I was on led to this radio station and probably <laughs> more platforms to speak to speak on about how Jesus was so good to me. And now I understand that this path that God chose was really one that was wonderfully thought out and planned. You know, for you folks out there in Radio Land, you can't see Ian. Ian's only about 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he sounds much older, but he's only about 14. So I know. I love I love hearing his his reaction, his perspective on things. I love reading his blog. When we were um, in Chalk Hospital, my niece started a blog for us to start sharing our story. Ian's heartbeat dot wordpress.com. It would always surprise me how he would be so faithful through all the ups and downs of heart failure, waiting and waiting for transplant, waiting for qualification. And you know, when we were when we were first talking about starting that blog, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to do this. I'm gonna have to like write more." And I don't, I don't even <laughs> like writing or, or doing any work like that. <laughs> and I, and just that little that little thing, 
I was so I was so scared of I didn't want to I didn't want to start that blog but again it, it led to another platform where I could talk talk to people about what what God has done for me right I think one on Ian's first blog post he said I it's there's like a, a kind of hinting to understanding that he might not have that much time to live and that he didn't want to have any regrets. He didn't want to have anything unsaid. I think he put his heart out there and was really vulnerable because we don't know how many days we have with our family. We don't know how many days we have with our son. So some people might think or have the diagnosis of a degenerative disease or a pending divorce or a pending loss. And uh, it makes you count your days, makes you number your days so you can present the Lord a heart of wisdom. And uh, I think living a little more recklessly and openly and faithfully is one of the results of that. You know, Ian went into the hospital and it was diagnosed that he needed a heart transplant and there wasn't one available. Days went by and he was continually getting worse and it looked like it may not come. Mm How did you feel at that moment? Did you feel that perhaps you know, where is God when I need him most? Or has God abandoned this? Those thoughts or emotions ever come across your mind as you're waiting there <laughs> for a transplant to come and it doesn't seem to be coming? Many times in the hospital, I would feel so bad that I would just, I would just lay on my bed and close my eyes. I wouldn't even be able to be able to move. And when I closed my eyes, I'd, I'd have, I've had dreams, but mostly I would be so close to God right now. I could almost I could almost touch him and and I felt the presence of God so strongly that when I was feeling good enough I I could still I could still feel it even when usually people can't feel God's presence there. So I had a hard time doubting it when he was basically right there with me through the whole thing. It is hard to explain because sort of uh, when things were not going our way Clearly, I mean, definitely I said, why? You know, why Why wouldn't God step in and heal at this time mm-hmm. or the next day? Why not today? So, of course, I had the question about why. But um, the thing is, is that uh, the way that Ian was sort of describing this, it didn't feel like God had abandoned us. It felt like he was pressing in ever closer to us, that in, in the suffering, there was he made himself known and made himself known as strong and able that we knew that what was going on, we were in his hands and we want to be able to, to say that there wasn't anything on our part. I don't feel like we did anything except be in that place. And God was the one that showed up and said, I am, as Jill said, I am right here. And people would say to us, they would, they would sort of, try to affirm us for our our faith in the midst of this. They would affirm us for, you know, wow, you guys are so faithful. But what I was thinking was, well, this is how grace works. Grace arrives in the time of need. And so my thought was that any of us who put our trust in God, God would also show up and bring the same kind of comfort, the same kind of sense of his presence and assurance that he did for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's truly amazing how at a time of tremendous need and a time when you're in pain and suffering, you felt the presence of God even closer, Yeah, not abandoning or walking away. That's really a powerful testimony of faith and really trusting in the Lord. Jill, you got a 
scripture verse you want to that was really important to you at that time well so basically i was reading through the book of psalms during that that whole season and uh it would be what i read that helped me fall asleep at night and i would uh, fall asleep with my bible on my chest and then wake up and just get right back into the word again to start my day. I think that my men and my family are uh, way more faithful <laughs> to, than I am. I would cry a lot. And it's not that I thought that God had abandoned me, but I felt like this is too hard for me to bear. This is too much. Often I felt like this is too much. People would say, oh, Jill, you're so strong. Your shoulders must be so broad. And and I was thinking, no, my shoulders are really small. And all of this is too much for me to bear. And it falls to the ground and the Lord knows what he has to pick up and hold. There was a night in the hospital. And by this time, um, Ian needed help for everything. He needed help, assistance to walk to the bathroom because he had all these IV lines hanging off of him. And so we'd have to unplug from the wall, push his IV pole, spot him to the bathroom. And he was finally able to take a bath in his own little hospital bathtub. When he was done, he called me in and asked um, if I could just spot him. He said, I don't know, mom, if I'm going to be able to get up. I just want you to have you nearby. So I uh, wrapped a towel around him just to spot him and be able to hold on to him. He did get up, and he uh, was so grateful for that. And he was thinking, you know, Mom, how you how you said that you would help Dad and clean him up um, if he went when he was so old that he couldn't do that for himself. He said, "Will you do that for me when I can't?" And uh, I just looked at my son and my 14-year-old son who is needing me and, and just said, yeah, with honor, Ian, with honor, I would, I would clean you, care for you. I didn't want him to feel shame for needing to be cared for in that way. I wanted him to feel loved and, and safe with me. So later that night when um, he had fallen asleep, then it was my turn just to take a shower for the first time in the hospital. And that is when my hand was stretched out to the Lord. So I got to read my Bible through my tears here. So Psalm 77 verse 1 says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I will seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open, and I am troubled, so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years of long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn me forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? And I just wrote in my Bible, it hurts. It hurts. And God was so big. He's so big enough. He could just hear me lamenting and crying. And I drew a picture of myself with my hand outstretched in the shower with this ugly face kind of cry. And I'm so thankful to be reading the Psalms and find myself in there, find this desperate child of God crying out to him and asking and saying, it feels like you've left me. It feels like you are not relenting against me. And it just feels like it's too much for me to bear. So it was kind of 
a kind of bittersweet, right? To find such beautiful words that express my sorrow and feel like I, you know, I can't sleep at night. He holds my eyelids open. When my cousin asked, you know, why does this happen to you, such good people? Why is that happening, such good people? And I thought, yeah, have I done something bad? Is Am I such an evil person that God needs to work on my character? And I just got like bad juju. And I was thinking, <laughs> it's, it's tempting to go that way. Like maybe I brought this on myself because of my past. And totally I'm a sinner. Totally I deserve way worse than this because sin has consequences. But I read then in Psalm 56 that he says that you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then the enemies will turn back in that day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please partner with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Please be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, please visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh,